I don't even eat. Like, like I had just like junk today. I like a Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> Dude, I eat junk every single day. I don't even know how I'm alive. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Four Thirty in the Morning. This is your boy Ben, and Pat is back as well. Eighty-six. Yes, episode number eighty-six. Yep. You got any players for eighty-six? Heinz Ward. Is is that what he wore? I'm pretty sure eighty-six. I couldn't tell you who wore his eighty-six. Farrell Brown might be wearing eighty-six for the Browns right now. There you I really go. don't know. Anyways, Heinz Ward. He was a good player. Named after the ketchup, I believe. Yeah, and uh, I also think he is a coach in the XFL. I believe he was, or, or the USFL. Or the USFL. I think it was the USFL. I can't remember. I don't know if he still is or not. But speaking of which, USFL, I kind of I was really into it like the first two weeks, and then I kind of like forgot about it. Me too. I think the uh, Birmingham Stallions won though. Did they? So I'm excited for the XFL. Yeah, we we'll see. They should be starting this year, right? It should be starting this year, I believe. We'll see how uh, how having two different leagues is going to work. Right. Because are there really enough players for two different leagues? Do you think so? I wonder if like USFL players are going to play in the XFL too. See, I think there's enough players. You're just going to be able to notice the talent difference. It's not going to be as exciting. It, nothing is ever going to be as exciting as the NFL. Well, I'm talking about, like, you got the USFL, which still exists, which is going to try to play next year, and the XFL, both. I don't know if there's enough for two. For two of those leagues. Is there? I mean, I don't know how the hell they're going to do that. I don't think so. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I like the look of the XFL. I like the branding better than the USFL, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just I just think the XFL looks more appealing to me. I think they could be a more, I don't know. There really isn't much difference. I, I know. It's but like the USFL was in the 80s. The XFL was basically the USFL, but in the 2000s, that lasted a year. I, I know. I just like the name XFL better than USFL. Well, Donald Trump would disagree with you. I'm sorry, Trump. Anyways, do you have any news stories today, sir? Yeah, I got some news stories. Pull them up. I ended up bringing like four. I don't know if I'm going to run all four. Okay, I think I have three. All right. Do you want to get started or want me to get started? You can get started. I'll tell you what. I will get started. Uh, My first one comes from our favorite UPI Odd News. All right. And this one's going to come out of Canada. Okay. Mystery metal object removed. (sighs) Damn it. From next to New Brunswick Highway. You have this one? Yeah. Transportation officials in New Brunswick said a large metal object was removed from where it was found <laughs> next to a highway. But no one knows what it is or where it came from. That's I don't hilarious. know why I find this shit so funny. The metal object, which appears to be some sort of storage tank, was found at the side of Highway 7 between St. John's and Oromocto near Base Gagetown. The New Brunswick Department of Transportation said the object was hauled away this week. At this point, it really is a mystery we are looking into. Department spokeswoman Alicia Bartlett told CBC News. Obviously, we would like to find out what happened too. So there's a big ass object out there, and they don't know what the hell it is. Could you imagine? Just you're just chilling, driving down the road, and you're like, "What the hell is that?" And then everyone else is like, "Hey, we never noticed that before." Yeah, and it was laying there for a while. It was too, laying there for it? like a month, I think. <laughs> Security officials at Bates Gagetown said the object was in place for about a month, but Canadian Forces spokesperson Jamie Donovan said the object is not believed to be military property. He said officials are investigating. AIM Recycling Atlantic, St. John's primary recycling plant, said it is not aware of any large metal items being lost on their way to the plant. Another mysterious hollow object was previously found washed up on Playa Linda Beach in Brevard County, Florida. In that case, officials said the magic metal object may have been an old ballast tank from a ship so they have no idea what the hell this thing is and the picture just like a big rusty yeah chunk of metal it's like the size of a bus or something right pretty big yeah just sitting there 
so military, it ain't the military. It's not the military. It's not from a scrapyard, recycling, anything like that. Like, this is a big hunk of shit just to leave sitting around. There's only one explanation for this. It's got to be aliens. I think it is. Now, but would alien material rust like that? It depends. Maybe the aliens landed here, they crashed here, and they were stranded for a while, and they couldn't fix their ship. So they had to build up their own ship with, like, whatever they had. Sure. Obviously, it didn't work for them in this scenario because it's crashed again, and it's rusted in Canada, but... But you kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So I'm going to say it's probably like a makeshift alien lifeboat. I can see it. So uh, we'll call up the Canadian government. We'll let them know. We'll let Trudeau know that we think we, we've solved this case for them. Yeah, hopefully they follow up with us. Yeah, hopefully. Anyways, you have any more news? Sure. This one's from, I believe, last Monday. I saved it. I don't know why I think this is funny, but I don't know. I think it's funny because I'm weird. This is from SB Nation. Chase Daniel went to his second job after the Chargers overtime win in the go- modern gig economy. It's not uncommon for people to work two or more jobs. Perhaps they have the more traditional nine-to-five job and work nights and weekends in another role. For many in the sport media world, that might be their situation as they try to carve a name out for themselves in a difficult industry using whatever spare time they can find. That is exactly what one new member of the sports media industry is doing, although his day-to-day job is a little different as his primary job is backing up Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. We are talking about veteran backup quarterback Chase Daniel, who signed with the NFL Network work this season to provide commentary and analysis after Monday night football games on the net on the network show NFL game day final with the Chargers based in Los Angeles along with the NFL network Daniel's years of experience in the league seemed to be a perfect fit for the role however things were a little tricky this week after all Daniel and the Chargers were playing on Monday night they squared off against Russell Wilson and the visiting Denver Broncos which meant that once the game ended a game that went into overtime while Daniel's teammates were starting to unwind he was starting his second job Daniel's night began alongside Herbert warming up before taking on the Broncos. Then once the game ended, the Chargers pulling out the win in overtime, it was time to get on his second gig. That meant walking from the stadium to the studios after the Chargers win. Daniel then hopped on set to provide his analysis, even referencing the swarms of midges the Chargers faced last week when taking on the Cleveland Browns. Interestingly enough, this is not the only time the Chargers play on Monday Night Football. In Week 16, Los Angeles will be on the road to take on the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts, meaning Daniel will again face a long night as he handles his second job. Chase Daniels. (laughs) Exactly. Chase fucking Daniels. Is one of the most ridiculous players in NFL history. (laughs) He is 36 years old. He's been in the league since 2009. Um, with the now Commanders is where he broke in. Yeah. He has thrown 261 passes over 13, 14 years. He has started yeah. He has started five games, but he's been active for like 170. <laughs> and he started five. I just, I just find it so funny how he just walks right off the game and then goes right into the studio. So he's got to be close. That's hilarious. He's got to be close to the record. For most games dressed, but not actually played in, <laughs> right in the history of the NFL, he's got to be very right. close because this guy has been the fucking quintessential backup. For he, he must be decent enough to win backup spots on I don't, teams. Yeah, like every year there was like a year like between like there's a streak of years between like 2013 and 2016 where every year it's like, oh, is Chase Daniel gonna be the guy for the Browns this year? <laughs> 
Well, you got Chase Daniel out there. He's still out there. So funny. And it's always known as been a backup. He started five games. Yeah, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. That's pretty funny. Now, he's got to have some interesting insight, just standing around on the sidelines for as long as he has. Right. Uh, there was one season where he started two games for the Bears, and that was his most, the most action he ever saw in one season. That's hilarious. He does have a positive touchdown-interception ratio. He's thrown eight touchdowns and only seven picks. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, what else you got? Anyways, I got another one. This one's a little bit. Uh, this might not be for everybody. A little bit uh, cringeworthy, if you will. And this one comes from The Guardian. U.S. doctor removes 23 contact lenses stuck in eye like stack of pancakes. A California <laughs> eye doctor has said an elderly patient who came in complaining of blurry vision ended up having 23 disposable contact lenses in her eye. To this day, she Jesus. does not understand how it took place. Dr. Catherine Curtiva, a Newport Beach op ophthalmologist told a local TV news channel. She's still baffled by it all. Photographs and a video of a cascade of contact lenses being removed from a woman's eye have since gone viral on Curtiva's Instagram page and prompted a flurry of horrified news coverage. The patient who is in her 70s has been avoiding regular visits with her eye doctor because she was afraid of being infected with COVID-19, Curtiva told to the Today Show. When she finally came into Curtiva's practice early September, the woman said she felt something foreign in her right eye. After retrieving a few contact lenses from her eye and spotting more of them, Curtiva had her assistant record the removal on her phone. I thought this could be my Guinness Book of World Record moment, the doctor told Insider.com. Finding a patient with 23 disposable contact lenses in one eye is not a record-breaking number, according to the American Academy of Ophthalmology. In 2017, doctors preparing a 67-year-old British woman for cataract surgery found 27 contact lenses in her eye. <laughs> Dr. Thomas Steinemann, clinical spokesperson for the Academy, called the situation actually not that uncommon. And so the patients with contact lenses in their eyes might be experiencing a burning sensation like dry eye. Decades of contact lens wearing can desensitize the eyes, making it less likely that people will feel missing contact lenses even if they're trapped inside the eye, Curtiva said. It goes on a little bit, but... That's unbelievable 23 see i'm terrified of contacts see i wear contacts okay okay dry eye happens a lot especially if not a lot but if you're not if you don't take out your contacts regularly sure like you can get contacts to where you can leave them in a night or two sure but you should probably take them out every night makes sense but my one of my eyes got really dry today so that's why i got my glasses on right now i could not even fathom two two on my eyeball like there there's absolutely no way i don't even know how that would work how would it how would it stick to the eye how would it how would that i, I have no idea like, like i don't understand how like, would that i feel like it'd be like bulging out dude like they're not like they're thin but they're not super duper thin like they sure. have a little bit of thickness to them like you 20 that would be like this thick could you imagine this oh plopping them in <laughs> like how do you not how do you not remember to take them out i don't understand i have gone a long time without taking my contacts out when i was younger i was not i was not disciplined at all with taking out my contacts sure i left them in a long time and i've never had my contacts stick to my eyeballs i've never had any of that so how long would you have to have a contact in for them to be like that article described them like inside the eye like encaved in the eye yeah i don't even know how you do that how long you have to have a contact in for that to happen what i also can't figure out with the story is what was she doing with her other eye like wouldn't you think you take (laughs) one out and you take the other out yeah like why 23 and one What's going on with the other eye? 
That is unbelievable. Like, so, like I freak the, I freak out, I freak out when I get an eyelash on my contact or underneath my contact. That is the most annoying. That is the worst feeling ever. I could sure. not imagine having two contacts in my eyes. No way. Well, there's always an opportunity to test us out. Unreal. Anyways, that's all I got with that one. You got any more news today, sir? Yeah, I got one more. You took one of mine, so I'm nah, just gonna do this one. My bad. This is from our favorite UPI iNews. Awesome. Fleet-footed lizard named Massachusetts official state. Dinosaur. Wow. I didn't know states had official dinosaurs. <laughs> Governor Charlie Baker held a ceremonial signing Wednesday for a bill declaring the Podecasaurus holiokinesis as Massachusetts state dinosaur. Baker held a ceremony at the Museum of Science in Boston and signed the bill declaring state dinosaur, also known as the fleet-footed lizard. Species was discovered in Holyoke, Massachusetts in 1910 by Nagnan Tabat, a Mount Holyoke College professor and paleontologist who became the first woman to discover a non-avian dinosaur species. The bill was spearheaded by Representative Jack Patrick Lewis, a Democrat from Farmingham, who said he discovered some states have official dinosaurs during COVID-19 pandemic and held a poll to allow Massachusetts residents to weigh in on what dinosaur they thought sh- should represent the state. The bill signing conceded with Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito's week-long celebration of science, technology, engineering, math, and education. Sorry, I was kind of I kind of butchered that, but state I, dinosaur. I didn't. What are we doing? I think Ohio needs to name the Tyrannosaurus Rex the state dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I don't know. Um, I guess with great cop power comes great responsibility. I guess so. And if you're the governor, you gotta step up and you gotta make a difference. You gotta make some things official. I mean. <laughs> I'm, that is ridiculous. I bet you there's a lot of people that are very happy about this. The fleet-footed lizard. Yeah. Now, what state was this again? Was this New Jersey or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. I get them confused. They're the same state in my head. Basically. Anyways, um, I got two more. I'm going to get these out real Let's quick. This one comes from businessinsider.com. This one's pretty funny. Juror dismissed from Michigan governor kidnapping case accused of flirting with defendant. <laughs> <laughs> Lord almighty. A juror has been dismissed after she was accused of flirting with a defendant in the trial of three men in connection with the 2020 plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The female juror had been relieved of her duties after William Rolston, an attorney prosecuting the case on behalf of the Michigan Attorney General, said there has been communication in the form of eye contact and (laughs) smiling between her and defendant Paul Bellar, according to the Jackson City Parrots. It didn't just happen on one day. It happened over multiple days, Judge Thomas Wilson told the local news outlet, adding, I decided it's safer to err on the side of caution. He said in his almost 35 years of experience in law, he had not seen behavior like this for the Jackson City Parrot. Others in the court, including the defendant's attorneys, also said they had witnessed interactions between the two, the Jackson City Parrot said. Bill R-23 is standing trial in the Michigan State Court with co-defendants and fellow Wolverine Watchmen members, Joseph Morrison and Pete Musico. I guess that's like a that's like a like a military group or something. Sure, yeah. A lot of these guys they think they're kind of badasses, but they don't really know what they're doing. Right. Anyways, it gets into the it gets into the case a little bit, but could you could you fucking imagine this for a second? <laughs> <laughs> like this chick's like, damn, I cannot wait to get on this fucking jury. I bet you these defendants are. I bet you one of these guys is a catch. Right. And could you imagine witnessing this? 
No, they're not. They're not talking to each other. That's the worst part. Is they're just like smiling and <laughs> and like non-verbally communicating. Is is any of this on video? I don't know. Was any of this like recorded? Sometimes they allow. But that might be that might be something to look into because I might have to look that up. I want to I want to see what this guy looks like and oh, it's hilarious. I just I, I want to see what this chick looks like. Yeah. No, no shit. I don't think they can show the jury on the, uh, the, the jury not. exists anonymously. Sure. But <laughs> could you imagine having to stop the trial, bring another jury, and bring one of the backup <laughs> jurors in or? Yeah. Uh, and that's such a long process because this chick has the hots for the defendant <laughs> like you don't see that often you only see that in like serial killer cases or um, something yeah weird shit so anyways i got one more though sure that's gonna be a really quick one this is gonna be the kind of thing that we have talked about a little bit before and it comes from our favorite upi odd news right man holds 150 lit candles in his mouth <sighs> for guinness world record is this the same guy an Idaho man had ah. 150 lit candles in his mouth for 30 seconds to break a Guinness World Record. David Rush, who has broken nearly 250 Guinness World Records to promote STEM education, said his previously attempted said he previously attempted the same record in December, but failed when some of the candles fell out of his mouth. <laughs> The weight of all the candles was intense, and I had over 10 minutes of salivating, making the candles slippery in my mouth. <laughs> Rush said of his most recent attempt, only five seconds in, I could feel them slipping out, so I had to clamp down even harder and bite in with my teeth to keep them from falling out. Rush said he, he wore eye protection during the attempt, but he still had to struggle with the smoke inhalation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the candles becoming slippery from his saliva. How about the wax? He didn't get into that, but I bet you. <laughs> You're right. Rush successfully broke the record of 105 candles, which was set by North Carolina man Garrett James in 2021. Could you imagine being Garrett James? You stick 105 candles in your mouth. You light them up. <laughs> Just a year ago. And you're like, yes, that's my claim to fame. And then fucking David Rush comes in. It's like, nope, fuck you, asshole. I'm going to stick 150 candles in my mouth and hold them for longer. Like, I, I still... <laughs> it's still so funny to me that I, I still don't know how this promotes stem education i just don't understand i want to know how much money he has raised for stem just going towards anything stem related from these records i I, want to know how much money he's raised i i really don't know (laughs) i really don't know i I don't know about this guy. It's like every week. Every week I see a new story with this guy. Like, I was listening to Bob and Tom going to work uh, this week, and there was a different one. They were talking about him on Bob and Tom. They were like, he balanced a guitar on his chin for like an hour or something. <laughs> it's like, how does he come up with this shit? Who has time to do this shit? And if he has these this many skills, couldn't he do something a little bit better? Yeah. Is this guy, like, wealthy? Like, what is he I don't. What is he doing? We got to figure more out about yeah. David Rush. Uh, David Rush, if you're out there, please, please tweet us at 30 in the... Please. Message us on Facebook. We would love to bring you into the studio. We're going to um, ask you some questions. We want to know. We just want to know. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about STEM education. We'll talk about our... Any of your uh, records that you've broken? Oh, yeah. So, um, David Rush, if you're out there, or if you know David Rush and you can tell us, fill us in a little bit, please tweet us at 30 in the... Please. Thank you. Anyways, Ben, you got any more news? I do have one quick thing oh. i want to i want to run by you here real we go quick. you never told me that you were like a main character in a dr seuss book i was yeah brought it down for you so you know i read my son books before sure. bed sure. every night and we've had this book for a while and i was reading it today and i was like i read this book all the time i just realized that you are in this book was well, that the lorax no i'll find it for you i'm gonna read the part where you're in this book all right and i want you to to finish it for me because i don't know the book doesn't get into what happens next So, this is the part with Pat, right? So it says, Pat. Pat. They call him Pat. Pat sat. Pat sat on hat. 
Pat Cat. Pat sat on cat. Pat Bat. Pat sat on bat. Then on the next page it says, no Pat, no. Don't sit on that. And it shows Pat attempting to, to sit on a cactus. Now, the book does not get into what happens next. So I just want to know, did you end up sitting on the cactus? And how the fuck did you, how, how did you manage to sit on a bat? Well, I'm not going to answer the second question. But the first question is, <laughs> I almost sat on the cactus. However, I only sit on things that rhyme. Okay, so, cool, sweet. So then I realized, I, 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 needed... I realized the air in my ways with the cactus is like, Pat sat on cactus. I was thinking cat, cactus. Right, that Maybe. makes sense. Then, then I forgot about the U.S. at the end, so. Right, and you don't want to sit on that. No, no, not really. So, so wait, I just wanted to clarify that. Me and Tim did have cactuses when we were kids. I don't remember that. We got them for like a dollar at the <laughs> at the nursery. Yeah, I think we killed them pretty quickly. Nice. Turns we out, we almost bought a cactus today. At, I want to get a cactus at the Home Depot. They have cactuses at the Home Depot. Dude, the Home Depot <laughs> is possibly the greatest place I've Dude. ever entered in my life. Fantastic. I went there for Whoppers about two months ago, and I just I just just stayed in like the gardening section, and I'm like, I need to leave because I could spend a thousand dollars without thinking about it. Dude, every time I go there, I I walk around the whole store because it's so fun. Yeah, like I didn't, I I couldn't do it. Like I, I said, like, I got something I need to do. I gotta get some whoppers. But that was the first time in my life where I walked in, and it's like I need the best thing that they possibly have. And I walked out with these gargantuan whoppers, <laughs> yep. and I'm like, yeah, these are fucking badass. And then Fuck they ended yeah. up working really well. So nice. Yeah, uh, Home I'm Depot's at, fun. I'm gonna have to bust those whoppers out tomorrow. But yeah, the Home Depot, yeah. higher standards, lower prices. Is that their is that Hell their motto? Yeah. Yep. Anyways, anyways, Pat. This is your episode. What are we going to be getting into today? Um, this is not my episode, but we're going to be getting into another topic that we love so much. This is going to be Aliens, Part 11, I think. 11, yeah. I think we're on 11. It has been a little while since we've ran an Alien episode. Yeah, definitely. But we got plenty more material. I'm realizing just how much more we could talk about with Aliens. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're probably good for another 30. Probably. So. We got this. This is going to be Aliens, Part 11, and what are we going to be covering especially on this episode? We're going to be talking about Alien Hotspots. Or locations. Yes, locations that are heavily associated with UFO activity, extraterrestrial activity, yep. possible aliens, a lot of sightings, maybe abductions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you got today? So I have three, but like I said, uh, maybe I'll save my first one for last. My, my two are a decent amount of uh, material. So Yeah, I've got a few. Um, there, there's not much variety in mine. Right. But when, when you do this type of research, you got to kind of think, well, where would the aliens be most active? Right. And it seems to be military complexes and nuclear, sure. anything related to nuclear. Sure. Whatever. Especially where nuclear test zones are. Sure. But uh, <clears throat> my first one I want to get into, you ever heard of Russia's M-Triangle? You know I did, and I wanted to do this one, but I ran out of time because I kind of fell asleep. This is very interesting. So, before the collapse of the Soviet Union, reporters were pretty much kept quiet about anything regarding UFOs. Sure. But after the fall, reporters were free to discuss, and as a result, the topic became pretty mainstream stream in Russia during like, you know, mid late 80s. As a result, the topic became mainstream in Russia and the majority of the talk was about an area 600 miles east of Moscow in the Malebka sec- section of the Ural Mountains. So, this is like a 40 square mile well, namely the the Perm Anomalous Zone, which is a 40 square mile of mountainous terrain nicknamed the M Triangle. That's where that comes from. Okay. Or this has also been called the Russian Area 51. Sure. Now, 40 square miles, that sounds big, but that's not nearly as big as a lot of these areas that we cover. That's pretty 
can find, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's not too big. Locals of the area say that UFOs come and go in all shapes and sizes. Saucers, spheres, domes, brightly lit objects. This area has so much activity that um, city of Mal- Malepka has a 10-foot kneeling statue of an alien when you wow. go and travel there. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I guess a lot of crazy other shit happens there, too. And this area kind of reminds me of Skinwalker Ranch in a way. Sure. And we've talked about Skinwalker Ranch pretty extensively on the oh, show. Oh, yeah, we have. So some of the shit that happens there, unexplained sounds, strange sounds include dis- uh, distinct disembodied voices, ghostly whistles, electrical humming, and sounds of cars, which is absolutely impossible because the nearest road from the, um, near this area are miles away. So there's no way you can hear any cars. Sure. I guess it's a trek to get to this area. It's not an easy area to get to. But this area is open to the public, but they recommend you take like a guide with you or somebody that kind of knows the area because a lot of crazy shit happens there. Sure. Researchers have reported countless instances where flames explode, acting as if they're flu- fueled by some kind of propellant. Scientists have zero clue why this happens. And in this whole area, there's you, you have absolutely no cell service. There's no cell service except one five-foot square section where you can basically call anywhere <laughs> in the entire world. Five-foot square? Yes. So you can five, stand in one spot? You stand in any any spot of this five-foot square. Well, five-foot square is it's, one spot. That's yeah, one spot. it's not very big. And you can basically call anywhere, reach anywhere in the world in this one spot. Now, did it did it say what part of Russia this is in again? I know Russia's pretty big. Um, 600 miles east of Moscow. Okay, yeah, this place did pop up in my research. Okay. Yeah. East of Moscow. So that would be towards the mountains. Right. Yep. Oh, and I want to go through a really quick story about what happened to somebody in this. Sure. So this guy, his name was Pavel Bakortov. Now, he was recently discharged. Uh, he was a recently discharged Soviet soldier in the 1980s, and he decided to head into the Triangle to see what all the fuck the hype was about. I guess the Russian government was doing shit there and was testing shit, the military, and he wanted to go see what the hell it was all about. And in October 1989, People Magazine actually published, like, the uh, Russian UFO photos from his trip that he took. And along with his claims, he claimed that he met and spoke with an alien. After ex- exiting the zone, he all of a sudden possessed this extensive knowledge of advanced of advanced physics. Like this guy was known as like an average intellectual, like not not smart but not stupid. Just average sure. average Joe guy. He came out of this zone knowing everything about advanced phys- physics. A study a topic that he has never studied or had ever taken an interest in in his life. After that, he applied for and got hired into the Russian space program. <laughs> After that, he became a respected cosmonaut. After visiting the M triangle, many others have reported a massive leap in cognitive abilities. That's I want to go there now. Basically all I have about that. My sources are noblesapien.com and Oliver O. Minucci blogspot. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that- it's pretty it's pretty wild. Could you imagine you're comparing resumes and it's like this guy's got a degree from like Moscow Communist University or whatever <laughs> and this other guy, oh well, I went to this place. <laughs> Unreal. Can you uh, spell that out for us real quick so that... Sure. M-O-L-E-B-K-A. There we go. Okay. Molebka. All right. I'm going to have to do some more research on yeah, that. Yeah, it's that pretty one, sweet. That did pop up, and I can guarantee you I got a screenshot of it on my phone, mm-hmm. but I didn't get into that one today. So that's a really good one. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't get very creative with this one. I'm not going to lie. That's fine. I do have a couple of places, though. And I was kind of thinking, like, when you do research on this, you kind of see trends. It's like, okay, what do all these places have in common? Now, military base is a popular one. Um, The nuclear sites, like I said. 
bad. Seems like the coasts. The coasts can be, which is interesting. Myrtle Beach. I almost did Myrtle Beach because Myrtle Beach. that's a big hot spot. And then the uh, the uh, the Pacific Coast sure. is, is a hot spot as well. And uh, Virginia Beach as well. I've heard that's mentioned too because I got Norfolk right there. Now, Norfolk has the big uh, Navy base, I believe. Yeah. And if, you ever, if you've ever gone to Virginia Beach, you're going to see some ridiculous aircraft. Like, you'll see, like, Harrier craft, like the helicopters, we got shoppers flying, yep. like, right along the beach and shit. It's crazy. But this, we're going to be thinking kind of opposite of that because, well, the oceans seem to be, or the coast seem to be popular, also high elevations sure. seem to be popular. And I noticed when I was doing my research that the higher up a place is, it seems it'll be more active for UFOs. Mm-hmm. So my first place is New Mexico. Now, that's obviously a pretty well-known area. Yep. But I'm not going to be talking about Roswell. I'm going to be talking about different places within the state. Now, most of New Mexico is high up. I think the average elevation is over a mile high. Wow. Uh, Four-fifths of the state is over 4,000 feet above sea level. So that's pretty high up there. Yeah, no I think sure. the highest elevation is over 10,000 feet. And it's known for its, like, closeness to the sky. Like, when you're sitting there at night, like, it's really easy to see, like, all the constellations. That's and sweet. The Milky Way and all that shit. And that's pretty common throughout the entire state. Now, the state itself is pretty diverse in terms of, like, everybody thinks of it as a desert. There's a lot going on in New Mexico. Like, the northern part is kind of cold and alpine climate. Mm-hmm. Down south is more of a desert. But there's a lot going on in that state. That being said, one of the most significant places for UFO contact is White Sands Missile Range, which I don't know if we've ever actually talked about before. I feel like we might have mentioned it before briefly, but I don't know if we ever actually like covered White Sands. They do races out there, don't they? I think they probably do. No, I think you're thinking about the salt, the salt in Utah. Am I thinking of that? Okay, never mind then. Because it's like the, the flattest area. Yeah. This one's a little bit different. This is a missile range in New Mexico that's always been associated with UFO activity as far as like since it's been operational. It's been operational since July of 1945. Now, White Sands Missile Range is where they detonated the first atomic bomb back right before they bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yep. It was like the first test site. And they also launched a total of 67 German V-2 rockets after World War II over six years. They launched them up from 1945 to 1951. So they were testing the V-2 rocket out there after the war, which is kind of interesting. So they captured over 100. People don't really realize that they captured over 100 V-2 rockets. Mm-hmm. And those are some pretty sophisticated yeah. missiles. Like if they could have got those things going, World War II would have ended very differently. Sure. Now, a story, and I was reading a book, and my source is going to be a, a book called, uh, I've talked about it before, Mysteries of the Unexplained, which was a Reader's Digest publication back in the 80s. It's an old book, but there's a lot of really good stories that kind of have gotten forgotten about over the years. So this story happened in 1951. Radar operators at the range picked up a fast-moving object in the sky, which, let's face it, you're shooting up V-2 rockets in the area. It's possible that you're going to catch something weird because rockets travel a lot faster than planes do, etc. Yeah. That being said, when they captured this fast-moving object, there were two independent witnesses on the ground. One was using binoculars to look at a B-29 plane that was flying up and saw what looked like a spaceship traveling at enormous speed. Wow. Another guy had a 35-millimeter film camera and captured 200 feet of film of what was clearly a UFO. So you got the radar operators that saw it, you got this guy with the binoculars that saw it, and then you got this other guy that saw it. Mm-hmm. Now, the film was analyzed by like experts after the fact, and then it went away. Of course. Never got saw, never was seen again. But that's just like the start of the UFO shit that happened at White Sands. That's crazy. But you can you can find, you could write a book about it. Now, I do have a book uh, on the way. It's going to be coming next week. It's called Need to Know UFOs, Military, and the Military and Intelligence, and it's by a guy named Timothy Good. Sweet. So I'm excited to get this book. That sounds sweet. Kind of tear through. It's got like 460 pages worth of material. Holy so shit. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's White Sands, and then... I got one more quick one from New Mexico, if you don't mind. Sure. There's this town 
town that I've never heard of before called Farmington, New Mexico. And this incident happened in March of 1950, where 5,000 people, including local government officials and media members, witnessed hundreds of objects perform aerial acrobatics in the sky. And this happened in two separate events over the course of a day. And they said that the objects were traveling in excess of 1,000 miles per hour and were performing maneuverability stunts that they couldn't they couldn't understand. Stops and starts, turns, quick turns, wow. maneuvers that were beyond anything that they could see. Now, 5,000 witnesses. That's incredible. Yeah. And of course, they were all like, that. these look like spaceships from what they were able to see. But how does that story just kind of get forgotten about? Like Farmington, New Mexico. Have you ever heard that story before? No. 5,000 witnesses. Yeah. How do you, as a, as, as a critic, how do you say they didn't see that? How do you say they, they weren't seeing a UFO as a critic? I don't know. It's like that, the Our Lady of Fatima incident where all the people saw that crazy shit. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that was mass hallucination or mass hysteria. I'm sorry. That's yeah. all that they're going to say. Right. Because you don't, you, don't have a, you don't have an explanation for that. You just, the only way to get rid of it is to stop talking about it. Right. I wouldn't know about it unless I cracked open a 35-year-old book today. Yeah. I never, I, I dug decently deep today, and I never saw anything about farming. Farmington, New Mexico. Farmington, New Mexico. So, oh. I don't know. I think New Mexico, there's a lot going on in that state. There, there's a couple stories that you're just not going to find. Like, I was reading this one, like, top 19 list or some shit like that. Sure. And they had one for Devil's Hole. You know what you were Devil's, Devil's Hole is? I didn't hear that one. In in uh, Nevada, I think that's where it's at. And um, now Devil's Devil's Hole is is a deep underwater cave. A lot of divers go down there and everything. Sure. But these these two divers died in there, and now divers can die. You know, they can there could be complications. If you ever listen to Mr. Ballin on YouTube, he has all kinds of crazy diver stories. They're really good. Sure. But um, this one was kind of unexplained, and it, it basically just gave a, a a quick description of it. And I went to Google and tried to dig deeper on the story nothing i went to brave nothing couldn't find nothing on the story that's crazy so i don't know if someone just made it up and added it to the list but every uh, everything else in the list seemed legit yeah so I, the the research process is and we've talked about this before it's getting really rough like I, I could i don't think i could find anything paranormal or ufo related to devil's hole besides that i'm gonna have to look like that one I, up. I couldn't i couldn't find it i'm gonna have to look that one up because like i don't even know where to look these days for some of those stories yeah like, it's getting tougher and tougher i got a couple of places that have been pretty reliable yeah but you have to really you have to know what you want to find and you have to know where to find it yeah and how to search for it. you have to have all that happening or else yeah, you're, you're, you're probably it. better than, than that than, than me well i've but. got a lot of i've been doing this for a long time sure so, a lot of experience <laughs> on my belt but i do like brave though i like yeah, that search braves engine. it's good it isn't bad it's not perfect though no like it there isn't a perfect search engine these no. days so but it is interesting you can search a topic on google and you will get different results on brave oh you'll give them very different results it's yeah. interesting yeah. so anyways what else you got today sir um i could do this real quick real right. quick i'm not going to get into my my entire uh, first one that i was going to do but you mentioned you mentioned um, higher elevations yes so the first one i was going to do was chili's ufo trail you ever hear of it yes i heard of it now chili as a whole there's a lot of a lot of shit that goes on there ufo related yeah but uh this ufo trail just kind of seems like it's government funded so it seems like it's a just a tourist destination but they make an argument, a lot of the uh, UFO hunters that have done the trail a lot, and they think that, so this is an extremely remote area, and the trail is uh, a 30-kilometer path. The landscape is basically 200 perfectly sliced blocks of land, and it, it's like a plateau, and it's and it's elevated, like you were saying. Sure. It's, it's really kind of crazy looking if you look it up online. It could have been an ancient alien landing site. That's, where the, that's what they think it is, and uh, they're thought to be landing pads for UFOs, and they also think that UFOs... 
UFOs land there all the time to extract the natural minerals because I guess the natural minerals are really abundant in that area. Oh, yeah, for but sure. That's just a quick brush up Chili's UFO trail. I don't know. I didn't get a lot from it when I looked into it. It kind of just seemed like it was a tourist thing. But there are other areas of Chile that have a lot of, like, the shit goes on on this trail. There's a ton, just in South America in general, but especially yeah. in the Andes, which Chile is pretty much, isn't that, like, mostly mountains and coast? I think, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. So, But my second main one that I wanted to get into is, you ever heard of Bonnie Bridge, Scotland? Can't say that I have. Small town near Falkirk with only a population of 6,000 has the most UFO sightings in the world per capita of over 300 per year. 300 Holy sightings shit. per year. Yeah. That's a lot for Especially that for, small town. What did you say, New Zealand? No, Scotland. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a plus for listening skills today. So people see shit all the time there, but there's one story in particular that's kind of cool. Um, we might have brushed up on this story before, but I don't think we have. I was trying to look back, but I don't think we brushed up on this guy. Did we talk about the forestry worker, Bob Taylor? I don't think we have. It's it's funny. It's, it's kind of we talked about another forestry worker though in our prior episodes. Uh, fuck. The yeah, hell is his name? Um, he's like the most important. <laughs> yeah, I, I know he's story li- ever. <laughs> Tim is gonna be shooting us. What the hell is his name? God damn. Walton. What? Well, right. Uh, Travis Walton. Travis Walton. Yep, Travis yep, Walton. Travis Thank Walton. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, November 9th, 1979, forestry worker Bob Taylor was shocked to discover a large uh, circular craft in front of him in an area of woodland known as the Deckmont Law near Livingston. This is pre- this is pretty close to what we were talking about. Robert Taylor worked as a forester working for the Livingston Development Corporation. On November 9th, 1979, he traveled up to a plantation close to the M8 motorway to inspect the site. As he walked towards a clearing at 10.30 a.m., he saw a large spherical object with a gray metallic finish. The object appeared to be 20 feet in diameter, 12 feet high. As Taylor approached the object, it dropped towards the ground, and two smaller spheres with protruding spikes appeared from the bottom and began to roll towards him. Taylor attempted to escape, but the spheres caught his trousers, ripping them at the bottom and began to drag him towards the larger object. This is pretty fucking freaky. Oh, yeah. It gets even crazier. Taylor passed out for around 20 minutes. He came to, heard a hissing sound, and then the UFO had just vanished. He had to crawl nearly 100 yards to his pickup truck as the encounter had left him temporarily unable to walk. After reporting the incident, the site was thoroughly investigated. Several marks in the ground were detected in the clearing where all this shit went down, which that could not be explained. Police were baffled, and since Taylor had shown signs of being attacked and had to be treated as an assault. So this guy wow. had this guy had bumps and bruises on him. This dude was basically tackled by a fucking UFO. These little spheres. like, And they found indentation and markings in the ground from this craft. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, what do you make of that? <laughs> this I is a crazy story. Know where to start. See, every time there's where there's more evidence beyond just some asshole talking about it. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, Scotland is known for the highlands. Yep. Again, here we are. We got the same thing. Here we are. On. Yeah, you're right. So I don't even know where to start with that one. That's that's crazy. Now I haven't really heard of Scotland being a UFO hot. Me neither. Before, but hey. But this, I guess this 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 particular town, this particular town. I think I saw a story as well about this area of some school kids seeing a. I think they described it as like a 12 foot being walking into a UFO and then taking off. Holy shit! You know that reminds me. There's a book out there that I need to track down that 
does UFO stories that happen at schools. Yeah. And there's like 65 or 66 stories in this book. Didn't you have one from like Zimbabwe that yeah. was just fucking ridiculous? We did that on Aliens yeah, Part 6. Yeah, I remember that one. And there's yeah. a there's a creepy-ass theme going on. And I got to get that book because there's a lot of those stories. And if that's happening in Scotland, it's happening across the world as far as we're concerned. Oh, shit. But when you look at these stories, it's like that's – when the kids are talking, it's some of the toughest shit, in my opinion, the hoax. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. I mean, a lot of this stuff – a lot of this could be easily dismissed as hoaxes. Right. But when you get into some of these stories, it gets really, you, it kind of gives me chills. When you have 30 children saying they all witnessed this. Yeah. Sorry. And there's been, there's been ones even like in our state where it's been like a high school class. Yeah. That have seen this absurd shit. So. Crazy. I don't know, but. They're out there, man. They're freaking that kind out. kind of stuff kills, it kills me. I mean, it's like, what do you do with that? That's, that's to me, like the strongest, the most gripping proof. I agree. I witness. Yeah. I witness. Especially when it's people that have no reason to uh, lie. Or... A large group. Yep, exactly. So, speaking of a large group, I got an interesting one. This is going to be a really quick one, though. Sure. Um, if I can find it. Okay. Now, we've talked about Stephen Greer yeah. and his CE5 protocols and how he's trying to make contact. Mm-hmm. Now, he is not the only person that's doing this. There's a guy out there named James Gilliland and his ranch, which he refers to as Ekatai. It's E-C-E-T-I ranch, but most people call it Gill- Gilliland's ranch, is a hot spot in southwest Washington. Now, I'm just going to read the Wikipedia article. Is this, I'm sorry, Washington State? Washington State, yep. Okay. I'm just going to read the Wikipedia article word for word. Sure. This is from Wikipedia. It's not long. Gilliland's Ranch, also known as Gilliland's Ranch or Gilliland's Akatai Ranch and Satsava Sanctuary, is an area of land in Trout Lake at the base of Mount Adams in southwest Washington. The property belongs to James Gilliland, who claims to have established enlightened contact with extraterrestrial intelligence, where that's where he gets his Akatai from, hmm. and the Self Mastery Institute in 19. 19- and has hosted unidentified flying object sightings events since 2003. So he hosts events where people see UFOs at his ranch. <laughs> That's crazy. Gillen's reports frequent UFO sightings and unexplained light shows on site. Multiple investigations have shown that the lights have been that have been seen in the sky are actually mundane objects such as planes and satellites. <laughs> but this guy's out there, and I guess he's pretty popular in the CE5 community. No shit. But there are people that take this guy seriously, and they that his ranch is a hot is a hotbed for activity. <laughs> I don't know why. It is hilarious. It's just kind of weird, but good for that guy. I guess he's making a little bit of money on it. Yeah, why not? But that CE five protocols. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's real, but I don't like that they're charging money. Like the app costs ten dollars. Damn. My uncle bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Stephen Greer, I, I kind of like him. He, he He's all right. I do like uh, a lot of the networking that he's done. Yeah, getting, I, I, I liked on. Unacknowledged. Yeah, I wasn't. Was cool. I liked Unacknowledged. I wasn't as hot on the uh, CE5 protocols, but. Sure. Now, there's that Netflix show. It's like, I can't remember what the hell it's called. I know I've, t- I've talked about it before. It's like a newer six-part thing. Yeah. I think he's he's at least discussed on that show. Right. But it's got everybody. It talks about Bob Lazar. It's got Travis Walton on it. It's got everybody UFO-related on it. Right. But, um, Unacknowledged. Does our uh, does our favorite guy Jeremy? Oh yeah, that he's on it. He's on it. <laughs> Jeremy Corbell. Jesus, that guy. We have to do a Jeremy Corbell episode soon. Yeah, we do. He's something else because he does a Skinwalker Ranch documentary as well. I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah. And there's just a scene with him just like sitting there with a cigarette in one hand, beer in the other. <laughs> 
just like, man, I wonder what's actually out there, man. <laughs> the uh, yeah, did you watch the the Bob Lazar and him with uh, Joe Rogan? Yes, that's a pretty good episode. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I need to rewatch Unacknowledged again. I try to watch that at least like three or four times a year. Right. Some do. Right. Anyways, do you have any more uh, hot spots? That's basically all I got. All right. The only other one I brought to the table real quick. I'm not going to spend much time on this one. It's a San Luis Valley in Colorado. It's very similar to New Mexico. It's like a big-ass valley, and the average elevation is 7,664 feet above sea level. Damn. So it's 120 miles long and roughly 75 miles wide. And there's a lot going on in this little valley, but it's known for its UFO sightings above, among other shit. And it's so ridiculous that there's a UFO watchtower. Some woman showed up there to become a cattle rancher and realized that cattle ranching wasn't making the money that she thought it was going to make out in the area. So she decided in the said to build this alien watchtower. <laughs> I think that's a pretty popular site. Like thousands of people. I think like 20,000 people went there one year. No shit. And it's just like. What uh, does she charge? I don't know what she charges. But just like. It's basically. It's like a. Like a. Like a gathering place. If you will. For. That's funny. UFO enthusiasts. But again. It's a situation where. There's no light pollution out there. You're up high. Yeah. You're close to the sky. And it's like vast. And there's nobody living out there. I mean. Even if you don't see UFOs. You could probably see some cool shit. Like I would go out there. Just for. Just for yeah. astronomy. Because that's what the one thing that I find is like if if you go somewhere where it's like you go there for like a paranormal reason, you always get sucked into the other shit. Yep. Like Gettysburg. I was all excited for the ghost when I went to Gettysburg. I didn't even think about it when I was there. I got so sucked into the historical aspect right. of it that I, I forgot that there were even ghosts wandering around. So if I were to go out there, I'd get so sucked in, I'd be with my star map book just like trying to <laughs> plot the constellations and shit because I'm a nerd. Right. I'd probably forget the UFOs are out there. Now I'd get excited if I saw something, but I'd be shitting my pants over a shooting star. So. <laughs> Literally. I saw a shooting star not that long ago, actually. It's really sure, cool. I sure it wasn't a UFO. No, it was not. Did you see it here? No. I was driving on the expressway. Okay. Yeah. I used to see a lot coming home from work, so now I'm going to be back on nights. And I am going to be back on nights, guys, by the way, so we're going to get a lot more episodes out, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, but I would see like a lot. So yeah, I I should probably see one or two a year. Sure. I was out in Illinois once. And I saw like twenty in a night. Damn, it was ridiculous. That's crazy. Just like. Whoop. I, I, do, I am convinced I saw a UFO here, though. No, we've already covered that. When I was walking up my stairs, and I saw it through the window, through yep. the blinds. Yep. Yeah, that was a fucking UFO, 100%. I, did, I only think I saw one once. It was a plane that was flying backwards. That's what it looked like. Yeah, that's a UFO, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, do you have any more hot spots? Nope, that's about all I got. Um, we could have done so. We could do a part two of this topic alone. Definitely. There is so many places. Like, I wanted to talk about Mexico City. I didn't get time to really research that one thoroughly. Again, Mexico City, super high up there yep super high elevation i think there's a theme i think the closer you are to the space the more likely you are to see ufos i mean it makes sense i was gonna try to like mix it up a little bit and do like outer space hot spots where shit gets seen sure i wasn't creative enough for that this episode <laughs> but that's something we could explore later on definitely anyways any more uh questions comments or concerns ben i got nothing how about you pet nah i'm pretty good all um, set yeah i'm looking forward hopefully we can get back to work getting some more episodes up definitely definitely um, yeah no, be, it'll be, back it'll be easier that we don't have mixed up schedules oh yeah and um i'm on vacation coming up soon so that'll be good nice i'll get some reading done i get some good research on if you guys have any topics you guys want us to research please tweet us at 30 and uh is that what it is <laughs> 
please tweet us at 30 in the if you have anything you guys want us to talk about on the show and uh, comment on our Facebook page as well. Yeah, the Facebook is getting some like we're getting views a, li- I don't a know little bit where the views are coming from. But. I, I don't know either, but um, I want to get back in the swing of posting our news articles and stuff on there. Yeah, make it a little more fun. So and now that you're the marketing whiz that you are, I don't know if I go that far. But well, hey, you're getting you're getting some credentials under your belt. So. Trying, trying. We'll let you uh, head up the marketing department. Thanks, man. I'll try. Anyways, uh, please tweet us at 30 in the Please comment on Facebook. Any topics, any questions, comments on this episode, anything that uh, you guys want to share. If you guys know an alien hotspot, please tweet us. Yeah, tell us about your UFO stories, too. And if any of you guys are actually extraterrestrials out there, please tweet us. Let us know. We'd love to bring you on the show. Definitely. Talk about um, life, the future, and everything. So Definitely. Anyways, uh, anything else, man? Nope, I'm all set. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. Peace. I ended up bringing, like, four. I don't know if I'm going to run all four. Oh, really quick. Side note. Oh. Hudson was fucking with my phone, and somehow he got, like, this swirly background for our messages. You know, I saw that. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. I was like, what the I, hell? I don't. I didn't know if that affected you. It, it looks like. It looks completely different. Like, it, I, it's weird. I don't know how. I don't know how to change it. So. I thought that you were being, like, funny. Like being, No. Hudson. I've had people do that to me before. Like changed like the background of the messages. No, that was not me. That okay. was Hudson. Right. And he I don't know what this is. It looks like a speaker. So I haven't hit it yet. So I don't I know. I would not do that. Yeah. I would not hit it. Yeah. You're gonna have to ask Hudson to switch it back for you at some point. Yeah, I don't really know. But okay, news stories. How many news stories do you got, Pat? I got uh four. Four? Okay, I think I have three. All right. Do you want to get started or want me to get started? You can get started. I'll tell you what. I will get started. Daniel then hopped on set to provide his analysis, even referencing the swarms of midges. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally what it says. Cut. Daniel then hopped on set to provide his analysis, even referencing the swarms of midges, the Chargers faced last week when taking on the Cleveland Browns. Fleet-footed lizard named Massachusetts official state dinosaur. Wow. I didn't know states had official dinosaurs. (laughs) Governor Charlie Baker held a ceremonial signing Wednesday for a bill declaring... Cut. Are you fucking kidding me? Pedokisaurus holiokinesis as Massachusetts state dinosaur. Well. Podekasaurus. Good luck. Podekasaurus. Okay, that that's better. This is why I didn't choose this news story. Holy. So see, sometimes I think it's hilarious when I read a headline. And I don't read it because I just want to. I want to figure it out what it is sure. in the studio. I, I, <laughs> okay, Pedecosaurus, <laughs> holiokinesis, kinesis, holiokinesis. I think that's right. Okay, Pedecosaurus holiokinesis. Okay, cut. Governor Charlie Baker held a ceremonial signing Wednesday for a bill declaring the Podecasaurus Holiokinesis. 
you, you had it. You spit it out. That was pretty good. As Massachusetts State Dinosaur. Baker held a ceremony at the Museum of Science in Boston and signed the bill declaring State Dinosaur to be... God damn it, I gotta say it again. I'm not saying it again. Cut. Baker held a ceremony at the Museum of Science in Boston and signed the bill declaring the state dinosaur, also known as the fleet-footed lizard. 